Mike Ward speaking. Mike, is Adam Rappaport. Adam Rappaport, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Mr. Adam Rappaport, editor-in-chief, Bon Appetit magazine for six years now. You were the editor of GQ magazine. You are no, a father. Well, hold on. We start, no, we started, so maybe we start over. I was, I was the style editor of GQ. The so. style? Okay, okay. So, so should we start over? Let's, let's, let's start over. Let's start over. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. All right. Take two. Take two. Editor-in-chief, Grand Emperor of Bon Appetit magazine, style editor of GQ yeah. magazine, <laughs> and you're a cheeky New Yorker. You're kind of the cooler male Martha Stewart. Uh, I guess you could say so. Every, everything else you said was accurate, certainly. So I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll throw that on there. Well, okay, that, that brings me to the most important question of all. What do you think of this new Martha and Snoop show? And don't lie to me. Um, you know, I haven't seen it, actually. Um, I wonder if I'm the demographic. I don't know if I'm the demographic, but I, I'm a huge Martha Stewart fan, um, and I've met her here and there at various functions. Um, it's interesting. I guess you could to to to, to steal a, uh, a sort of a hip hop phraseology. She, uh, you know, Martha. She's a, she's an OG. Like she's the original, growing up in you know the 80s and 90s, and and reading Martha Stewart Living, and you're like, wow, how does she do it all? Like you know that calendar in the front of the magazine with like doing her garden up in Maine, and then you know hand dyeing the Easter eggs and building this and growing that. Um, yeah, I just I always respect people who are so committed to their craft and they literally practice what they preach every day. Um, and, you know, you got to give it up for Martha. I think you're absolutely right. She was the first person out of the gate to ever allow people to take a sense of pride in the way <laughs> they lived their life, whether it be yeah. home decor, tablescaping, food, entertaining. She yeah. allowed people and gave us the instruction manual on how to live a better life. Yeah. But with all that praise put aside, this television show is just a car crash. <laughs> In a nutshell, it's half an hour of Snoop bringing on a series of guests that kind of flirt with Martha in a super creepy uncomfortable way and then they piece together some moderate dish and Snoop pretends that he has no idea what the ingredients are and then they applaud and uh, yeah. <laughs> I just saved you half an hour of your life, truly you need not watch it now Imagine if Anthony Bourdain and Martha Stewart had a love child and that little boy grew up to be a chef writer and cookbook author with an incredible passion for talking about all things food related. And he had a radio show where he'd chat with smart, funny food personalities and celebrity chefs. And they'd talk about the most provocative topics and recipes, ingredients and tips. Legally, we can't confirm that boy is Mike Ward, but you're listening to Devour with Chef Mike Ward on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. Hello guys, episode two of Devour, yay! Still super exciting for me. I don't know if this is ever going to wear off. It seems like this week has gone by in about eight minutes. I guess uh, time moves quickly when you are kind of obsessed about uh, producing and, uh, you know, interviewing uh, guests and whatnot for a radio show. Thank you so much, everybody who posted, uh, direct messaged me, emailed me, called me, uh, with a lot of positivity and great feedback surrounding episode number one. A lot of you got back to me with constructive criticism, which I love. Uh, some ideas on who to speak to. Thank you. Please, please keep all that coming. ChefMikeWord.com. All my social handles are there. Uh, as you figured out already today, I'm talking to the talented and charismatic Mr. Adam Rappaport. 
I think you hit the T at the end of Rappaport. He has a very tricky name to say. He is the editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit magazine. Guys, if you've never heard of this magazine, check it out. Their website is phenomenal as well, bonappetit.com. These guys have their finger on the pulse of what is hot and what is not in food. And at the end of the show, I'm going to talk to you about a recipe I'm super excited about. I'm going to be posting it on my website. It is a vegetarian dish, but all you meat lovers, don't get weird with me right now. It is immensely kind of satiating. It is grilled broccoli with a whole bunch of really bold kind of Thai-style flavors. Everything in it, I guarantee you have in your pantry, in your fridge right now. For me, it kind of celebrates vegetables. It represents this idea where I think, frankly, a lot of our heads are right now with food in that some, some things are getting very expensive. We're all kind of trying to find new ways to optimize ingredients we're familiar with, ingredients that are inexpensive and accessible. I got a feeling you're going to love it. Let's get back to my chat with Adam. Devour with Chef Mike Ward. What is the key to the perfect dinner party? Um, well, first of all, guests. <laughs> you can't have a party if you don't have good guests. Um, and that's always one of those things when planning a dinner party, again, like Snoop and, and Martha, you, it, it makes sense on paper. Um, but sometimes you just don't know till everyone's together in the room. And there, and there are those nights where it's just kind of magical and everything clicks and there's the vibe and everyone's just happy to be there. And people who haven't met each other meet each other and they get along and you're just like, this is great. And there are certain nights you have a party where you, you spend all the time prepping and making the delicious meal and, you know, getting you know, tricking out your apartment or house. So it looks beautiful and it just doesn't quite happen. And you, and it's, and it's hard to know why, um, People come over to your house to have a good time. They want to see you. They want to enjoy themselves. You know, they want to eat well, but if you really want to eat well, you're going to a restaurant, right? Um, and you're trusting a professional. Um, so, so a lot of it is, like I said, you, you do what you can to get the mix right. Um, but I think that's what's so important is to remember. It's like, it, it's, it's not really about the food. Um, and I, I guess, I don't want to say that, you know, but I'm saying if you focus too much on the food and get too obsessed with the cooking and you're stressed out and you're worried and you're trying to get everything right, you stop having fun and, and, and you're not enjoying your guest company and they're not enjoying yours. Because if you're that chef, that cook who's in the kitchen and like too busy and too focused and, and a little wound up, that makes everyone a little wound up and a little unrelaxed. The best dinner parties I've ever been to or had, I can't remember what I served or what I ate. I remember the people around the table. Depending yeah. on how much I drank, I remember yeah. the music because I have a tendency yep. to subject people to the worst playlists on earth. <laughs> that brings me to what I think Bon Appetit does so well, and I'm a fan of this. You guys have a certain irreverent approach to food. You don't put it up on a pedestal, and I think it shows in your photography, shows in your food writing. Yeah, it should be, it should be, it should be fun. You should, you should respect it and love it, but as, as you Australians might say, every now and then you got to take the piss out of it and, you know, uh, don't take it too seriously. When you guys approach a food article, yeah. what is the lens with which you do it through? And I don't want to talk about photography right now. We'll get to that in a minute. But specifically the writing style of food, yeah. what is your mandate to your editors in terms of, guys, let's not put ourselves up on a pedestal here. We are, we, we, we want to inspire. I actually write about food the same way. I wrote about fashion at GQ years ago, um, and that's from the perspective of um, we who are doing the writing and reporting. Like we are not industry professionals; we are home cooks who love to eat and love to cook. But you know, we screw up our dinner parties too now and then. Uh, we don't get everything right. Uh, we just happen to be in a position as editors where we are 
able to interview the most accomplished chefs or cookbook writers in the industry. We can ask people questions that other people might not have the opportunity to. So we can report on, get get the details, get the advice, and convey that to a reader. But we, I always say, you know, like, um, you know, we are a brand of home cooks for home cooks. And like, we are just like our readers. We, we, you know, we happen to work in a different place, but we're like them. We host dinner parties. We get nervous. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not. Um, and, and that's, and like I said, when I was at GQ, it was the same thing. Like I was not a fashion industry professional. I was a guy who happened to like clothes a lot. And I tried to put a look together every morning. And sometimes I come downstairs and my wife would be like, yeah, no, you need to go back and change. Uh, sometimes I get the tie wrong or I try to put on something that looks cool. And she's like, you're way too old to be wearing that. And you're like, oh, um, and I think that's how you connect with the reader yeah. in the sense that there's a sense of humility. There's a sense of humor. Um, there's a sense of imperfection yeah. uh, that we're, we're, we're all in this together. We're enthusiastic, but we are not experts per se. Um, and, You're and, self-deprecating. Yeah. And, and you have to, and you have that, as I said, we, we're knowledgeable and we work hard at it. And again, we, we have, because we have these great jobs, we're at least able to ask the people who are almost perfect at it for advice. Um, and I think that's, it's just important. You have to be relatable. And if you're not relatable, no one wants to read what you have to say. I was the food editor-in-chief of a, a, yeah. of a major Canadian food magazine, Canadian Living, for, for a short period last year. Yeah. One of the challenges that we always came up against when we would sit down for our recipe development editorial meetings was how to gauge the skill level of our readership. Some readers mm, yeah. are, are looking to be challenged when they pick up a magazine. Some want their hand held very tightly and they want literally to be told how much to season salt pepper whatnot where do you guys put that bar it's yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge and subject of debate among <laughs> us um I do think, you know, in terms of how you write the recipes, that's that's its own issue in terms of how explanatory you are or not. That's one thing. But in terms of, I, I do think you can have a spectrum of uh, recipes within each issue from sort of easy to ambitious. Um, and, and that's okay, because not, I think when people read magazines, and this is different than the internet, but magazines, whether it's a magazine like Vogue or GQ or Vanity Fair or whatever, it's like, as a reader, not every piece has to speak directly yeah. to you. There's always going to be some pieces that you are more interested in and you enjoy more. And my feeling always as an editor is, as well, as long as those pieces that aren't necessarily for every reader, as long as they're still done well, as long as they're still the photos are nice, as long as the headlines are still snappy, as long as the writing's good, as long as there's a level of quality across the mm -hmm. board, uh, the reader will appreciate that in a publication. But, um, you know, Certain certain cooks are more ambitious than others, and certain recipes will speak to them more so than others, and 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 that's okay. It's it's okay to have variety, uh, but what you do need is consistency and quality and clarity. You can Google any recipe on Earth nowadays. Print yeah. is being challenged. How do you remain relevant? Um, you know, it's obviously a question facing our entire industry. Uh, certainly not just Bon Appetit, and certainly not just food magazines. Um, I think a couple of things. One. We all spend so much time in front of a desktop or on our devices and phones and iPads um, that I think people enjoy that moment when they get that magazine in the mail once yeah. a month and it's in print. There's something lasting mm -hmm. about it. Um, it's not temporary. It's not fleeting. You can kind of sit down on the sofa with it in the bath, wherever you like to sort of have a moment um, with your with your magazine. And there's something having something tactile that you can actually hold mm -hmm. on to. Um, and, and it is not just 
disappears in a second as you're flipping through Instagram or Twitter and you're literally just scrolling by stuff. Um, having something that, 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 that lasts, I, I think people probably appreciate now more than ever in, in yeah. some ways. Um, and also the fact that it's all sort of like a cookbook. It's, it's curated for you. It's put together. There's a reason these stories are where they are with that. They're at that month. There's a reason they're in the issue. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a thoughtfulness that goes for pairing from one story to the next. Um, and I, you know, that, that it, that's served up like a complete menu as opposed to just a grab bag of dishes. I think what's overwhelming about the internet is that it's, it's endless. And it's like, okay, what am I looking yeah. for? Uh, there's just so much there and it comes at you so fast and it disappears so fast um, that that shift of gears is nice. I think the one thing that doesn't work in print, which is, it's, it's where you have a challenge, um, you know, is the, that it used to be, there's a lot of content. If you try to be a more timely publication, if you try to be us mm-hmm. weekly, well, it's tough for us weekly now because by the time us weekly comes out, all that yeah. gossipy stuff and photos has already been right. on TMZ or whatever right. a week ago. Uh, you know, Newsweek and stuff, magazines like that, that are news supposed to be of the moment news magazines is tough when I've already read that. Um, it's different if it's Vogue uh, or Harper's Bazaar or something where it's a lusher, more in-depth treatment of something that is not breaking news and is not upright this minute. It's something that someone's creating, like the magazine, like W Magazine, with these big, beautiful, yeah. lush, long photo shoots that are, you know, artistic in their ambitions. Um, and, and, and you really want to hold on to them. And you don't want to see them on a phone. You want to see them on a big printed out piece of paper. Um, and that's a different experience. That's very interesting. Even the most fleeting of food trends are around for a couple of years. Yeah. You know, grain bowls are still a thing. Yeah. Avocado toast is still a thing, you know, and it has been for several years now and it's still on every menu and it's not as different than in fashion even if fashion trends stay around but there's you know there's different collections there's a fall collection and then there's a you know spring summer collection uh and they're constantly churning out new stuff it's not the same with food 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 trends last longer um than other trends you're listening to devour on sirius xm channel 167 canada talks and to cure your cravings, get online at chefmikeward.com for hundreds of tasty, simple recipes and a whole lot more. Talk to me about food photography. You guys, yeah. I think, mastered the art of food porn. You may have even coined the term. Yeah. <laughs> what I've always loved about Bon Appetit is the it's this very kind of visceral, immediate lighting style. Yeah. I've worked with a lot of food photographers in a lot of different capacities, and some of them get stuck on the idea of creating a beautiful picture of food. Yeah. What you guys do is create a beautiful picture of what you want to eat. Yeah. You don't look at it through the eyes of a photographer. You seem to look at it through the eyes of a diner. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What is your directive or mission statement when you work with your art directors and photographers? It's a good question because I think like most collaborative creative processes, it's it's a, it's a, it's a give and take. It's a back and forth. Um, the impulse on the the creative side, and by creative, I mean the photo editors and my sort of like design director, creative director. Um, you know, a lot of times they want to do stuff that is a little bit more edgy or a little bit more creative, quote unquote, artistic. Um, mm-hmm. I always remind them, like, no, guys, it's got to be delicious. Like, people buy this magazine because they want delicious food. Um, and so, what you end up with yeah. is like, I try to make sure the focus is on the food, that it looks real, that it looks like something someone would be eating that, you know, it's a little bit messy, but not too messy. Uh, it's beautiful, but not too beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, that, it, that it is brightly lit. There's a sharpness. There's like an immediacy to it. Um, and then, you know, my sort of like art and photo teams, like I've always 
I want those elements, whether it's the props or whether it's the surfaces or whether it's the little elements that give it a sense of place and time that feel very, you know, 2017, that there is a coolness or a certain hipness to it without it being too hip. Um, and, you know, I think the way we've done that well is I've always made a point of not hiring food world people. Um, I hire people who love food, but come from different industries, who come from fashion magazines or even like sports magazines or, you know, other sort of worlds um, that they come from different backgrounds, that they have a lot of outside interests and sort of whether it's art or music or fashion, they then bring that to the table. We all love food, but we are, we are not sort of food world professionals by trade necessarily. Do you feel a responsibility in terms of health consciousness in what you present to your audience or is it just purely about the way it tastes? Good question. I would say both because I do think it, they can go hand in hand. Um, yeah, so this is our healthiest, our annual healthiest issue, uh, which we do each the start of each year. Um, and the last few years, I've kind of realized it. it you know, you, there's that notion of like, oh, new year, new you, and like start off with the cleanse or all that nonsense. Um, and as but as we've done this issue the last few years, I realize it feels like the most timely and topical and sort of trend centric issue we do, not in an obnoxious way, but just in a real way. And it's like, oh, this is how we are eating as a staff. This is how chefs are cooking now. It feels like the most sort of reflective way of what's going on in our country food-wise. Um, you know, from whether it's grain bowls to poke to, you know, amazing, you know, tonics to smoothies, all that sort of stuff um, that, you know, like we at, at BA as editors, like, yeah, I, listen, I will go out and get a ribeye steak and have a couple of vodkas and, and, and enjoy myself. But day in, day out, I'm eating healthier and more, I'm, we are far more conscious as, as eaters here. And, and we're eating, we're drinking our matcha in the morning and we're having our $6 yogurts and whatnot, all that nonsense. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just the kind of the way that we're eating and so many Americans are eating. Um, and it's like, it's better for the environment. It's better for us. Um, but the, you know, we, we, the, the term healthy-ish, and we're also la launching healthy-ish.com um, on, I want to, hold on, let me have to check the magazine. I want to say the 24th of, uh, yeah, January, 24th, um, bonappetit.com slash healthyish. Um, but the notion being that like, you don't have to be a seat about it. You don't have to be like in denial. It's like, it's, it's a try, try to eat healthy, but you don't have to be like preachy about it. You don't have to be in totally sort of saying no to everything. It's like, yeah, eat healthy most of the time, but also enjoy yourself. Indulge now and then like, yeah, have an extra margarita. That's, that's okay. Um, you know, you go out late tonight, just go to yoga in the morning. You'll be fine. Um, and I think that's the sort of the realistic way that so many of us live now is like, yeah, we like to have fun. We like to enjoy ourselves, but we also stay fit. We also eat well most of the time. Um, and we take care of ourselves. Um, and, and and we, you try to achieve balance and there's no reason you can't. I think the challenge for a lot of people is they get kind of caught in a rut with the same bunch of ingredients or the same techniques and yeah. they end up trying to kind of retweak recipes that they're comfortable with instead of just kind of throwing themselves in, a, in the deep end and learning yeah. something new and refreshing that kind of learning experience. I put vegan chefs on a, on a pedestal because for me, when you eliminate all animal products and meat, yeah, uh, and you can make food taste amazing. That's pretty incredible. I mean, you throw a, a slab of bacon on anything, and it can taste great. Oh yeah, you know, it, yeah. It's just you're just like turning it up to eleven. Like that's not hard to do. Um, the quality of ingredients and the accessibility of ingredients across the board in big cities, smaller cities, um, is so much better now than it was ten, fifteen years ago. Um, and and there's just there's so many talented chefs out there. You can buy stuff. Whether you're getting it, you know, through the, you know, Amazon or whatever. Uh, there's, it's just like the, it's, 
you just, every every little town you go to now has like a good coffee place with your macchiatos and this and that. You've got the little grocer with like good ingredients and yeah. fresh grain. I mean, you know, it's just like it's if you want yeah. to eat well, you can eat well. And as a home cook, yes, maybe it takes a little more effort. You got to think about it, yeah. but um, you can bring your lunch to work and you can bring a delicious lunch in, in a way that's, that's clever and smart and also co- affordable. Um, you know, and like you know, the fact that even it's fascinating in New York City now. Just if you look at the lunch places that people go to in the daytime, um, you know. It is these places like Chopped and Sweet Green and all these sort of like, you know, the salad places where you pick your ingredients. And people are just eating so much more lighter and sensibly, uh, at least during the daytime for breakfast and lunch. Um, and they, they, if you're there, you're at a desk, you don't want to have a big meal and come back and like you're, you're asleep by 3 p.m. at your desk, you know. Um, yeah, people are eating well and there's so yeah. many more juice shops and all that stuff. Like and it, it is it's a it's a thing, not because we feel like guilty, it's because like, no, I, I, it, I feel better eating that way, you know, um, and I, I think it's great. I think it's, it, it is a more accessible and doable thing. Um, and, and you don't do it at, because like I said, out of like, Oh, this is the right thing to do. It's like, no, I eat this way because I like it. I follow you on Instagram. You post a lot of cool pictures of you. You seem to be passionate about grilling. Yeah. Well, at least, yeah, at least in the, not, not, maybe not in January, not in January, but yes, in the, in the summer times and such. I love that. Well, you talk about accessibility of ingredients, and, but I've also heard you talk about the idea, particularly in big cities and New York being one, yeah. we eat out more and more. We Uber Eats, Fedora, all of these type of delivery services, even supermarkets now are starting to reflect this idea of good quality yeah. semi-prepared foods. But the mandate of your magazine, I assume, is to continue to inspire people to cook. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I I think um, it depends. You know, there's all these meal delivery services. You know, where you're, you're you're cooking, but you're you know you're you're having all the ingredients delivered to you and assembling. Yeah, but you're still cooking. You're assembling. Um, yeah. You know what I what I like to do um, when I think is a it's a cool sort of compromise. Um, I like I always like that notion when you you maybe someone brings home a roast chicken from the butcher shop or wherever or the rotisserie thing, but then you're making a couple of sides at home from scratch with so a salad and some roasted vegetables or whatnot. Yeah. Um, I think that's fine, you know. It's like or maybe I'm going to go buy a steak, but I'm they've got some prepared grain salad or whatever at the market also, and I'll, and I'll mix that up. I, it's you don't not everything has to be from scratch. That's also what sort of drives me nuts about getting back to dinner parties. This notion that you have to make everything. When I go to dinner parties like that, and particularly, you know, being a chef, people get all stressed out about that to begin with because yeah. they think you're going to judge them. All I need is is, is decent music, dim lights, and yeah. booze, and I'm happy. Exactly. Good, good, good lighting, good lighting, and good music changes everything. And booze. If you have those three things in in that order, actually, I, or maybe good booze, good lighting, but I put yeah. them next to each other, and then good music. Hundred percent. I've been preaching that forever. Just buy a bunch of votive candles, turn the lights down, light a bunch of candles all over the place, put some music on. You know, I've gone to friends' dinner parties and first time I've gone over the house and I can just tell that they spent so much time and effort like homemade breads and like all like all this and I, I feel oh, bad I'm like oh my worst. god and there's always like two extra two more dishes than there needs to be then I've got to eat it all and tell them how good it is it's like then I feel guilty that they put that much effort into it um, you know but it's like I said again remember oh. it's about the company first and it's about coming over to someone's house enjoying the time actually just having that three hours when you're not at the office and you're not running around you're not at a club or something just say be able to enjoy each other and sit down and sort of downshift and relax. Um, and, and that is what's so important about a good dinner party. It's about entertaining. And, and yes, you're eating, but you know, it's about each other first and foremost. You're listening to Devour on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks.
and to cure your cravings, get online at chefmikeward.com for hundreds of tasty, simple recipes and a whole lot more. I had Curtis Stone on the show last week, and we talked a bit about Michelin stars and critics. Yeah. And uh, Bon Appetit doesn't rate restaurants per se, but you yeah. do give shout-outs, and you have lists of favorites. Yeah. You wield a tremendous amount of power. How do you police yourself yeah. and use that power graciously? Good question. We do an annual Best New Restaurants issue, um, and I guess my feeling is that people want recommendations from a magazine like us. They want to be told what to eat, where to go. They want to be right. told what's great and be- and, and awesome. Um, right. They don't want to be told that some restaurant in Chicago that they're probably never going to go to isn't good. Um, but our job is different. You know, As a magazine, you read this magazine because it's somewhat voyeuristic. It's an indulgence. I want to see beautiful photos of food. I want some recipes. I want to enjoy myself. And that doesn't change with our restaurant issue. It's the same thing. It's like my job is a beautiful pictures of food, giving them recipes, but I'm just giving them recipes and photos and whatnot from these 10 best new restaurants in America. Adam Rappaport, thank you so much for this. Uh, you've got your February issue on newsstands now, pink cover with the poke ball. Yes. Yes, sir. Healthy-ish. It's out. Healthy-ish. And then March, we go back to uh, dessert on the cover, do we? Uh, yes, sir. No, not dessert. We're going to be... <laughs> mm, again, you asked what, what's going to be on the cover, um, and I still don't know. We're literally shooting our cover tomorrow, I hope. I'm hoping that's assuming it goes well. Adam, thank you so much for your time. All right. Thanks, man. Cheers. That was the talented and charming Adam Rappaport, editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit magazine. Guys, check out their website as well, bonappetit.com, a tremendous destination for everything surrounding food, tips, tricks, and certainly uh, restaurant ideas. Uh, thanks again for listening, guys. This has been a tremendous amount of fun. I do want all your feedback. Keep that coming to me. Get on to chefmikeward.com. All my social handles are there, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let me know what you're into, what you're listening to, and what you're eating. I want to leave you with a recipe today that I cooked for the kids last week. I was basically born of what I find all the best recipes are born of is opening up a fridge, being too cold and tired to leave for the supermarket and saying, what have I got? What can I make out of that? I had two big bunches of fresh broccoli. So I decided to kind of grill them up with some salt and pepper. I love grilled broccoli. And I put together kind of a little Thai sauce, soy sauce, sesame oil. Uh, a couple of other ingredients with some crispy onions that I did in the pan. Anyway, it is online, chefmikeward.com. Uh, it takes about 10 minutes, and there's only about six ingredients to it. I am pretty sure that the meat lovers within your house, including you, will uh, be filled with this without necessarily a big slab of protein. I love that we talked about that today with Adam. Uh, vegetables are in, which kind of sounds silly to say because vegetables never went anywhere, but I think it's a new way to celebrate them. Guys, thank you, and I'll see you next week.